Section 16 of Lourdes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Lourdes by Emile Zola. Translated by Ernest Visitelli. The Fourth Day. 1. The Bitterness of Death. At the hospital of Our Lady of Dolour that morning, Marie remained seated on her bed, propped up by pillows. Having spent the whole night at the grotto, she had refused to let them take her back there. And as Madame de Jonquière approached her to raise one of the pillows which was slipping from its place, she asked, What day is it, Madame? Monday, my dear child. Ah, true. One so soon loses count of the time. And besides, I am so happy. It is today that the Blessed Virgin will cure me. She smiled divinely with the air of a daydreamer, her eyes gazing into vacancy, her thoughts so far away, so absorbed in her one fixed idea, that she beheld nothing save the certainty of her hope. Round about her the St. Honorine ward was now quite deserted, all the patients excepting Madame Vetu, who lay at the last extremity in the next bed, having already started for the grotto. But Marie did not even notice her neighbour. She was delighted with the sudden stillness which had fallen one of the windows overlooking the courtyard had been opened and the glorious morning sunshine entered in one broad beam whose golden dust was dancing over her bed and streaming upon her pale hands it was indeed pleasant to find this room so dismal at night-time with its many beds of sickness its unhealthy atmosphere and its nightmare groans thus suddenly filled with sunlight purified by the morning air and wrapped in such delicious silence why don't you try to sleep a little maternally inquired madame de jonquiere you must be quite worn out by your vigil marie who felt so light and cheerful that she no longer experienced any pain seemed surprised but i am not at all tired and i don't feel a bit sleepy go to sleep oh no that would be too sad i should no longer know that i was going to be cured at this the superintendent laughed then why didn't you let them take you to the grotto she asked you won't know what to do with yourself all alone here i am not alone madame i am with her replied marie and thereupon her vision returning to her she clasped her hands in ecstasy last night you know i saw her bend her head towards me and smile i quite understood her i could hear her voice although she never opened her lips when the blessed sacrament passes at four o'clock i shall be cured madame de jonquiere tried to calm her feeling rather anxious at the species of somnambulism in which she beheld her however the sick girl went on no no i am no worse i am waiting only you must surely see madame that there is no need for me to go to the grotto this morning since the appointment which she gave me is for four o'clock and then the girl added in a lower tone pierre will come for me at half-past three at four o'clock i shall be cured the sunbeam slowly made its way up her bare arms which were now almost transparent so wasted had they become through illness whilst her glorious fair hair which had fallen over her shoulders seemed like the very effulgence of the great luminary enveloping her the trill of a bird came in from the courtyard and quite enlivened the tremulous silence of the ward some child who could not be seen must also have been playing close by for now and again a soft laugh could be heard ascending in the warm air which was so delightfully calm well said madame de jonquiere by way of conclusion don't sleep then as you don't wish to 
but keep quite quiet and it will rest you all the same meantime madame vetu was expiring in the adjoining bed they had not dared to take her to the grotto for fear lest they should see her die on the way for some little time she had lain there with her eyes closed and sister hyacinthe who was watching had beckoned to madame des agneaux in order to acquaint her with the bad opinion she had formed of the case both of them were now leaning over the dying woman observing her with increasing anxiety the mask upon her face had turned more yellow than ever and now looked like mud her eyes had become more sunken her lips seemed to have grown thinner and the death rattle had begun a slow pestilential wheezing polluted by the cancer which was finishing its destructive work all at once she raised her eyelids and was seized with fear on beholding those two faces bent over her own could her death be near that they should thus be gazing at her immense sadness showed itself in her eyes a despairing regret of life it was not a vehement revolt for she no longer had the strength to struggle but what a frightful fate it was to have left her shop her surroundings and her husband merely to come and die so far away to have braved the abominable torture of such a journey to have prayed both day and night and then instead of having her prayer granted to die when others recovered however she could do no more than murmur oh how i suffer oh how i suffer do something anything to relieve this pain i beseech you little madame des agneaux with her pretty milk-white face half hidden by a mass of fair frizzy hair was quite upset she was not used to death-bed scenes she would have given half her heart as she expressed it to see that poor woman recover and she rose up and began to question sister hyacinthe who was also in tears but already resigned knowing as she did that salvation was assured when one died well could nothing really be done however could not something be tried to ease the dying woman abbe Juden had come and administered the last sacrament to her a couple of hours earlier that very morning she now only had heaven to look to it was her only hope for she had long since given up expecting aid from the skill of man no no we must do something exclaimed madame des agneaux and thereupon she went and fetched madame de jonquiere from beside marie's bed look how this poor creature is suffering madame she exclaimed sister hyacinthe says that she can only last a few hours longer but we cannot leave her moaning like this there are things which give relief why not call that young doctor who is here of course we will replied the superintendent we will send for him at once they seldom thought of the doctor in the wards it only occurred to the ladies to send for him when a case was at its very worst when one of their patients was howling with pain sister hyacinthe who herself felt surprised at not having thought of ferrand whom she believed to be in an adjoining room inquired if she should fetch him certainly was the reply bring him as quickly as possible when the sister had gone madame de jonquiere made madame des agneaux help her in slightly raising the dying woman's head thinking that this might relieve her the two ladies happened to be alone there that morning all the other lady hospitalers having gone to their devotions or their private affairs however from the end of the large deserted ward where amidst the warm quiver of the sunlight such sweet tranquillity prevailed there still came at intervals the light laughter of the unseen child can it be sophie who is making such a noise suddenly asked the lady superintendent whose nerves were slightly upset by all the worry of the death which she foresaw then quickly walking to the end of the ward she found that it was indeed sophie couteau the young girl so miraculously healed the previous year 
who seated on the floor behind a bed had been amusing herself despite her fourteen years in making a doll out of a few rags she was now talking to it so happy so absorbed in her play that she laughed quite heartily hold yourself up mademoiselle said she dance the polka that i may see how you can do it one two dance turn kiss the one you like best madame de jonquiere however was now coming up little girl she said we have one of our patients here in great pain and not expected to recover you must not laugh so loud ah madame i didn't know replied sophie rising up and becoming quite serious although still holding the doll in her hand is she going to die madame i fear so my poor child thereupon sophie became quite silent she followed the superintendent and seated herself on an adjoining bed whence without the slightest sign of fear but with her large eyes burning with curiosity she began to watch madame vetu's death agony in her nervous state madame des agneaux was growing impatient at the delay in the doctor's arrival whilst marie still enraptured and resplendent in the sunlight seemed unconscious of what was taking place about her wrapped as she was in delightful expectancy of the miracle not having found ferrand in the small apartment near the linen-room which he usually occupied sister hyacinthe was now searching for him all over the building during the past two days the young doctor had become more bewildered than ever in that extraordinary hospital where his assistance was only sought for the relief of death pangs the small medicine chest which he had brought with him proved quite useless for there could be no thought of trying any course of treatment as the sick were not there to be doctored but simply to be cured by the lightning stroke of a miracle and so he had mainly confined himself to administering a few opium pills in order to deaden the severer sufferings he had been fairly amazed when accompanying dr bonamy on a round through the wards it had resolved itself into a mere stroll the doctor who had only come out of curiosity taking no interest in the patients whom he neither questioned nor examined he solely concerned himself with the pretended cases of cure stopping opposite those women whom he recognized from having seen them at his office where the miracles were verified one of them had suffered from three complaints only one of which the blessed virgin had so far deigned to cure but great hopes were entertained respecting the other two sometimes when a wretched woman who the day before had claimed to be cured was questioned with reference to her health she would reply that her pains had returned to her however this never disturbed the doctor's serenity ever conciliatory the good man declared that heaven would surely complete what heaven had begun whenever there was an improvement in health he would ask if it were not something to be thankful for and indeed his constant saying was there's an improvement already be patient what he most dreaded were the importunities of the lady superintendents who all wished to detain him to show him sundry extraordinary cases each prided herself on having the most serious illnesses the most frightful exceptional cases in her ward so that she was eager to have them medically authenticated in order that she might share in the triumph should cure supervene one caught the doctor by the arm and assured him that she felt confident she had a leper in her charge another entreated him to come and look at a young girl whose back she said was covered with fishes scales whilst a third whispering in his ear gave him some terrible details about a married lady of the best society he hastened away however refusing to see even one of them or else simply promising to come back later on when he was not so busy as he himself said if he listened to all those ladies the day would pass in useless consultations however he at last suddenly stopped opposite one of the miraculously cured inmates and beckoning ferrand to his side exclaimed ah 
now here is an interesting cure and ferrand utterly bewildered had to listen to him whilst he described all the features of the illness which had totally disappeared at the first immersion in the piscina at last sister hyacinthe still wandering about encountered abbe Juden, who informed her that the young doctor had just been summoned to the family ward it was the fourth time he had gone down there to attend to brother isidore whose sufferings were as acute as ever and whom he could only stuff with opium in his agony the brother himself merely asked to be soothed a little in order that he might gather sufficient strength to return to the grotto during the afternoon as he had not been able to do so in the morning however his pains increased and at last he swooned away when the sister entered the ward she found the doctor seated at the missionary's bedside monsieur ferrand she said come upstairs with me to the saint honorine ward at once we have a patient there at the point of death he smiled at her indeed he never beheld her without feeling brighter and comforted i will come with you sister he replied but you'll wait a minute won't you i must try to restore this poor man she waited patiently and made herself useful the family ward situated on the ground floor was also full of sunshine and fresh air which entered through three large windows opening on to a narrow strip of garden in addition to brother isidore only monsieur sabatier had remained in bed that morning in view of obtaining a little rest whilst madame sabatier taking advantage of the opportunity had gone to purchase a few medals and pictures which she intended for presents comfortably seated on his bed his back supported by some pillows the ex-professor was rolling the beads of a chaplet between his fingers he was no longer praying however but merely continuing the occupation in a mechanical manner his eyes meantime fixed upon his neighbour whose attack he was following with painful interest ah sister said he to sister hyacinthe who had drawn near that poor brother fills me with admiration yesterday i doubted the blessed virgin for a moment seeing that she still did not deign to hear me though i have been coming here for seven years but the example set me by that poor martyr so resigned amidst his torments has quite shamed me for my want of faith you can have no idea how grievously he suffers and you should see him at the grotto with his eyes glowing with divine hope it is really sublime i only know of one picture at the louvre a picture by some unknown italian master in which there is the head of a monk beatified by a similar faith the man of intellect the ex-university professor reared on literature and art was reappearing in this poor old fellow whose life had been blasted and who had desired to become a free patient one of the poor of the earth in order to move the pity of heaven he again began thinking of his own case and with tenacious hopefulness which the futility of seven journeys to lourdes had failed to destroy he added well i still have this afternoon since we shan't leave till tomorrow the water is certainly very cold but i shall let them dip me a last time and all the morning i have been praying and asking pardon for my revolt of yesterday when the blessed virgin chooses to cure one of her children it only takes her a second to do so is that not so sister may her will be done and blessed be her name passing the beads of the chaplet more slowly between his fingers he again began saying his aves and paters whilst his eyelids drooped in his flabby face to which a childish expression had been returning during the many years that he had been virtually cut off from the world meantime ferrand had signalled to brother isidore's sister marthe to come to him she had been standing at the foot of the bed with her arms hanging down beside her showing the tearless resignation of a poor narrow-minded girl whilst she watched that dying man whom she worshipped she was no more than a faithful dog 
she had accompanied her brother and spent her scanty savings without being of any use save to watch him suffer accordingly when the doctor told her to take the invalid in her arms and raise him up a little she felt quite happy at being of some service at last her heavy freckled mournful face actually grew bright hold him said the doctor whilst i try to give him this when she had raised him ferrand with the aid of a small spoon succeeded in introducing a few drops of liquid between his set teeth almost immediately the sick man opened his eyes and heaved a deep sigh he was calmer already the opium was taking effect and dulling the pain which he felt burning his right side as though a red-hot iron were being applied to it however he remained so weak that when he wished to speak it became necessary to place one's ear close to his mouth in order to catch what he said with a slight sign he had begged ferrand to bend over him you are the doctor monsieur are you not he faltered give me sufficient strength that i may go once more to the grotto this afternoon i am certain that if i am able to go the blessed virgin will cure me why of course you shall go replied the young man don't you feel ever so much better oh ever so much better no i know very well what my condition is because i saw many of our brothers die out there in senegal when the liver is attacked and the abscess has worked its way outside it means the end sweating fever and delirium follow but the blessed virgin will touch the sore with her little finger and it will be healed oh i implore you all take me to the grotto even if i should be unconscious sister hyacinthe had also approached and leant over him be easy dear brother said she you shall go to the grotto after dejeuner and we will all pray for you at length in despair at these delays and extremely anxious about madame vetu she was able to get ferrand away still the brother's state filled her with pity and as they ascended the stairs she questioned the doctor asking him if there were really no more hope the other made a gesture expressive of absolute hopelessness it was madness to come to lourdes when in such a condition however he hastened to add with a smile i beg your pardon sister you know that i am unfortunate enough not to be a believer but she smiled in her turn like an indulgent friend who tolerates the shortcomings of those she loves oh that doesn't matter she replied i know you you're all the same a good fellow besides we see so many people we go amongst such pagans that it would be difficult to shock us up above in the saint honorine ward they found madame vetu still moaning a prey to the most intolerable suffering madame de jonquiere and madame des agneaux had remained beside the bed their faces turning pale their hearts distracted by that death cry which never ceased and when they consulted ferrand in a whisper he merely replied with a slight shrug of the shoulders that she was a lost woman that it was only a question of hours perhaps merely of minutes all he could do was to stupefy her also in order to ease the atrocious death agony which he foresaw she was watching him still conscious and also very obedient never refusing the medicine offered her like the others she now had but one ardent desire to go back to the grotto and she gave expression to it in the stammering accents of a child who fears that its prayer may not be granted to the grotto will you to the grotto you shall be taken there by and by i promise you said sister hyacinthe but you must be good try to sleep a little to gain some strength the sick woman appeared to sink into a doze and madame de jonquiere then thought that she might take madame des agneaux with her to the other end of the ward to count the linen a troublesome business in which they became quite bewildered as some of the articles were missing 
meantime sophie seated on the bed opposite madame betu had not stirred she had laid her doll on her lap and was waiting for the lady's death since they had told her that she was about to die sister hyacinthe moreover had remained beside the dying woman and unwilling to waste her time had taken a needle and cotton to mend some patient's bodice which had a hole in the sleeve you'll stay a little while with us won't you she asked ferrand the latter who was still watching madame vetu replied yes yes she may go off at any moment i fear hemorrhage then catching sight of marie on the neighbouring bed he added in a lower voice how is she has she experienced any relief no not yet ah dear child we all pray for her very sincerely she is so young so sweet and so sorely afflicted just look at her now isn't she pretty one might think her a saint amid all this sunshine with her large ecstatic eyes and her golden hair shining like an aureola ferrand watched marie for a moment with interest her absent air her indifference to all about her the ardent faith the internal joy which so completely absorbed her surprised him she will recover he murmured as though giving utterance to a prognostic she will recover then he rejoined sister hyacinthe who had seated herself in the embrasure of the lofty window which stood wide open admitting the warm air of the courtyard the sun was now creeping round and only a narrow golden ray fell upon her white coif and wimple ferrand stood opposite to her leaning against the window bar and watching her while she sewed do you know sister said he this journey to lourdes which i undertook to oblige a friend will be one of the few delights of my life she did not understand him but innocently asked why so because i have found you again because i am here with you assisting you in your admirable work and if you only knew how grateful i am to you what sincere affection and reverence i feel for you she raised her head to look him straight in the face and began jesting without the least constraint she was really delicious with her pure lily-white complexion her small laughing mouth and adorable blue eyes which ever smiled and you could realize that she had grown up in all innocence and devotion slender and supple with all the appearance of a girl hardly in her teens what you are so fond of me as all that she exclaimed why why i'm fond of you because you are the best the most consoling the most sisterly of beings you are the sweetest memory in my life the memory i evoke whenever i need to be encouraged and sustained do you no longer remember the month we spent together in my poor room when i was so ill and you so affectionately nursed me of course of course i remember it why i never had so good a patient as you you took all i offered you and when i tucked you in after changing your linen you remained as still as a little child so speaking she continued looking at him smiling ingenuously the while he was very handsome and robust in the very prime of youth with a rather pronounced nose superb eyes and red lips showing under his black moustache but she seemed to be simply pleased at seeing him there before her moved almost to tears ah sister i should have died if it hadn't been for you he said it was through having you that i was cured then as they gazed at one another with tender gaiety of heart the memory of that adorable month recurred to them they no longer heard madame vetu's death moans nor beheld the ward littered with beds and with all its disorder resembling some ambulance improvised after a public catastrophe they once more found themselves in a small attic at the top of a dingy house in old paris where air and light only reached them through a tiny window opening onto a sea of roofs and how charming it was to be alone there together 
he who had been prostrated by fever she who had appeared there like a good angel who had quietly come from her convent like a comrade who fears nothing it was thus that she nursed women children and men as chance ordained feeling perfectly happy so long as she had something to do some sufferer to relieve she never displayed any consciousness of her sex and he on his side never seemed to have suspected that she might be a woman except it were for the extreme softness of her hands the caressing accents of her voice the beneficent gentleness of her manner and yet all the tender love of a mother all the affection of a sister radiated from her person during three weeks as she had said she had nursed him like a child helping him in and out of bed and rendering him every necessary attention without the slightest embarrassment or repugnance the holy purity born of suffering and charity shielding them both the while they were indeed far removed from the frailties of life and when he became convalescent what a happy existence began how joyously they laughed like two old friends she still watched over him scolding him and gently slapping his arms when he persisted in keeping them uncovered he would watch her standing at the basin washing him a shirt in order to save him the trifling expense of employing a laundress no one ever came up there they were quite alone thousands of miles away from the world delighted with this solitude in which their youth displayed such fraternal gaiety do you remember sister the morning when i was first able to walk about asked ferrand you helped me to get up and supported me whilst i awkwardly stumbled about no longer knowing how to use my legs we did laugh so yes yes you were saved and i was very pleased and the day when you brought me some cherries i can see it all again myself reclining on my pillows and you seated at the edge of the bed with the cherries lying between us in a large piece of white paper i refused to touch them unless you ate some with me and then we took them in turn one at a time until the paper was emptied and they were very nice yes yes very nice it was the same with the currant syrup you would only drink it when i took some also thereupon they laughed yet louder these recollections quite delighted them but a painful sigh from madame vetue brought them back to the present ferrand leant over and cast a glance at the sick woman who had not stirred the ward was still full of a quivering peacefulness which was only broken by the clear voice of madame des agneaux counting the linen stifling with emotion the young man resumed in a lower tone ah sister were i to live a hundred years to know every joy every pleasure i should never love another woman as i love you then sister hyacinthe without however showing any confusion bowed her head and resumed her sewing an almost imperceptible blush tinged her lily-white skin with pink i also love you well monsieur ferrand she said but you must not make me vain i only did for you what i do for so many others it is my business you see and there was really only one pleasant thing about it all that the almighty cured you they were now again interrupted la grivotte and elise rouquet had returned from the grotto before the others la grivotte at once squatted down on her mattress on the floor at the foot of madame vetue's bed and taking a piece of bread from her pocket proceeded to devour it Ferrand, since the day before had felt some interest in this consumptive patient who was traversing such a curious phase of agitation a prey to an inordinate appetite and a feverish need of motion for the moment however elise rouquet's case interested him still more for it had now become evident that the lupus the sore which was eating away her face was showing signs of cure she had continued bathing her face at the miraculous fountain and had just come from the verification office where dr bonamy had triumphed 
ferrand quite surprised went and examined the saw which although still far from healed was already paler in colour and slightly desiccated displaying all the symptoms of gradual cure and the case seemed to him so curious that he resolved to make some notes upon it for one of his old masters at the medical college who was studying the nervous origin of certain skin diseases due to faulty nutrition have you felt any pricking sensation he asked not at all monsieur she replied i bathe my face and tell my beads with my whole soul and that is all la grivotte who was vain and jealous and ever since the day before had been going in triumph among the crowds thereupon called to the doctor i say monsieur i am cured 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 completely he waved his hand to her in a friendly way but refused to examine her i know my girl there is nothing more the matter with you just then sister hyacinthe called to him she had put her sewing down on seeing madame vetu raise herself in a frightful fit of nausea in spite of her haste however she was too late with the basin the sick woman had brought up another discharge of black matter similar to soot but this time some blood was mixed with it little specks of violet-coloured blood it was the hemorrhage coming the near end which ferrand had been dreading send for the superintendent he said in a low voice seating himself at the bedside sister hyacinthe ran for madame de jonquiere the linen having been counted she found her deep in conversation with her daughter raymonde at some distance from madame des agneaux who was washing her hands raymonde had just escaped for a few minutes from the refectory where she was on duty this was the roughest of her labours the long narrow room with its double row of greasy tables its sickening smell of food and misery quite disgusted her and taking advantage of the half-hour still remaining before the return of the patients she had hurried upstairs where out of breath with a rosy face and shining eyes she had thrown her arms round her mother's neck ah mamma she cried what happiness it's settled amazed her head buzzing busy with the superintendence of her ward madame de jonquiere did not understand what's settled my child she asked then raymonde lowered her voice and with a faint blush replied my marriage it was now the mother's turn to rejoice lively satisfaction appeared upon her face the fat face of a ripe handsome and still agreeable woman she at once beheld in her mind's eye their little lodging in the rue vanneau where since her husband's death she had reared her daughter with great difficulty upon the few thousand francs he had left her this marriage however meant a return to life to society the good old times come back once more ah oh, my child how happy you make me she exclaimed but a feeling of uneasiness suddenly restrained her god was her witness that for three years past she had been coming to lourdes through pure motives of charity for the one great joy of nursing his beloved invalids perhaps had she closely examined her conscience she might behind her devotion have found some trace of her fondness for authority which rendered her present managerial duties extremely pleasant to her however the hope of finding a husband for her daughter among the suitable young men who swarmed at the grotto was certainly her last thought it was a thought which came to her of course but merely as something that was possible though she never mentioned it however her happiness wrung an avowal from her ah my child your success doesn't surprise me i prayed to the blessed virgin for it this morning then she wished to be quite sure and asked for further information raymonde had not yet told her of her long walk leaning on gerard's arm the day before for she did not wish to speak of such things until she was triumphant certain of having at last secured a husband 
and now it was indeed settled as she had exclaimed so gaily that very morning she had again seen the young man at the grotto and he had formally become engaged to her monsieur berteau would undoubtedly ask for her hand on his cousin's behalf before they took their departure from lourdes well declared madame de jonquere who was now convinced smiling and delighted at heart i hope you will be happy since you are so sensible and do not need my aid to bring your affairs to a successful issue kiss me it was at this moment that sister hyacinthe arrived to announce madame vetu's imminent death raymond at once ran off and madame des agneaux who was wiping her hands began to complain of the lady assistants who had all disappeared precisely on the morning when they were most wanted for instance said she there's madame volmar i should like to know where she can have got to she has not been seen even for an hour ever since our arrival pray leave madame volmar alone replied madame de jonquiere with some asperity i have already told you that she is ill they both hastened to madame vetu ferrand stood there waiting and sister hyacinthe having asked him if there were indeed nothing to be done he shook his head the dying woman relieved by her first emesis now lay inert with closed eyes but a second time the frightful nausea returned to her and she brought up another discharge of black matter mingled with violet-coloured blood then she had another short interval of calm during which she noticed la grivotte who was greedily devouring her hunk of bread on the mattress on the floor she's cured isn't she the poor woman asked feeling that she herself was dying la grivotte heard her and exclaimed triumphantly oh yes madame cured 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 completely for a moment madame vetu seemed overcome by a miserable feeling of grief the revolt of one who will not succumb while others continue to live but almost immediately she became resigned and they heard her add very faintly it is the young ones who ought to remain then her eyes which remained wide open looked round as though bidding farewell to all those persons whom she seemed surprised to see about her she attempted to smile as she encountered the eager gaze of curiosity which little sophie Couteau still fixed upon her this charming child had come to kiss her that very morning in her bed elise rouquet who troubled herself about nobody was meantime holding her hand-glass absorbed in the contemplation of her face which seemed to her to be growing beautiful now that the sore was healing but what especially charmed the dying woman was the sight of marie so lovely in her ecstasy she watched her for a long time constantly attracted towards her as towards a vision of light and joy perhaps she fancied that she already beheld one of the saints of paradise amid the glory of the sun suddenly however the fits of vomiting returned and now she solely brought up blood vitiated blood the colour of claret the rush was so great that it bespattered the sheet and ran all over the bed in vain did madame de jonquiere and madame des agneaux bring cloths they were both very pale and scarcely able to remain standing ferrand knowing how powerless he was had withdrawn to the window to the very spot where he had so lately experienced such delicious emotion and with an instinctive movement of which she was surely unconscious sister hyacinthe had likewise returned to that happy window as though to be near him really can you do nothing she inquired no nothing she will go off like that in the same way as a lamp that has burnt out madame vetu who was now utterly exhausted with a thin red stream still flowing from her mouth looked fixedly at madame de jonquiere whilst faintly moving her lips the lady superintendent thereupon bent over her and heard these slowly uttered words about my husband madame 
the shop is in the rue mouffetard oh it's quite a tiny one not far from the gobelins he's a clockmaker he is he couldn't come with me of course having to attend to the business and he will be very much put out when he finds i don't come back yes i cleaned the jewellery and did the errands then her voice grew fainter her words disjointed by the death rattle which began therefore madame i beg you will write to him because i haven't done so and now here's the end tell him my body had better remain at lourdes on account of the expense and he must marry again it's necessary for one in trade his cousin tell him his cousin the rest became a confused murmur her weakness was too great her breath was halting yet her eyes continued open and full of life amid her pale yellow waxy mask and those eyes seemed to fix themselves despairingly on the past on all that which soon would be no more the little clockmaker's shop hidden away in a populous neighbourhood the gentle humdrum existence with a toiling husband who was ever bending over his watches and the great pleasures of sunday such as watching children fly their kites upon the fortifications and at last those staring eyes gazed vainly into the frightful night which was gathering a last time did madame de jonquiere lean over her seeing that her lips were again moving there came but a faint breath a voice from far away which distantly murmured in an accent of intense grief she did not cure me and then madame vetu expired very gently as though this were all that she had been waiting for little sophie couteau jumped from the bed quite satisfied and went off to play with her doll again at the far end of the ward neither la grivotte who was finishing her bread nor elise rouquet busy with her mirror noticed the catastrophe however amidst the cold breath which seemingly swept by while madame de jonquiere and madame des agneaux the latter of whom was unaccustomed to the sight of death were whispering together in agitation marie emerged from the expectant rapture in which the continuous unspoken prayer of her whole being had plunged her so long and when she understood what had happened a feeling of sisterly compassion the compassion of a suffering companion on her side certain of cure brought tears to her eyes ah oh, the poor woman she murmured to think that she has died so far from home in such loneliness at the hour when others are being born anew ferrand who in spite of professional indifference had also been stirred by the scene stepped forward to verify the death and it was on a sign from him that sister hyacinthe turned up the sheet and threw it over the dead woman's face for there could be no question of removing the corpse at that moment the patients were now returning from the grotto in bands and the ward hitherto so calm so full of sunshine was again filling with the tumult of wretchedness and pain deep coughing and feeble shuffling mingled with a noisome smell a pitiful display in fact of well-nigh every human infirmity end of section sixteen